This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have Ariel McKelly, CEO at AppFigures. Ariel, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you for having me. Terrific. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you on the podcast. So let me tell you and the audience just a you know, regular story like we've all been living through. You wake up in the morning, you check the weather, you check traffic on your way to work. Of course, if your office right now isn't your you know, desk that is sitting next to your bed, then check your Instagram or Facebook feed. I do hope you don't do it automatically because it's become a habit. But this is a topic for another conversation. <laughs> or stretch your legs on the couch to watch something on Netflix in the evening. Throughout your waking time, you launch apps on your phone, on your iPad all the time. And there are several companies that take a holistic view on the app industry as a whole. They can provide an insight on app trends, particularly this year and last year. So today, Ariel will do for us just that. But let's talk about you, Ariel. First, uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, tell us your background. How did you get into the app industry? Oh, that's, uh, that's a beautiful question. So I've been doing this for just a little over 12 years. We celebrated our 12th birthday in March. And really, for me, it's always Congrats. been about... Thank you platforms and how do we help as many people as possible with pretty much everything that that I've done before. This is not my first company, uh, by far the most successful, but not the first. And so it's always been for me about how can I build a platform that takes either something I'm really good at or something that I care about a lot or something that I see me myself using and turn it into a solution for as many people as possible. I came from the background of search engine optimization way back in the day, what feels like a different lifetime and consulting. And as much as I liked all that, I really wanted to build something. I really wanted to build tools as a opposed to just one-on-one -on -one service. And so we, um, we used to do that. We built websites and then eventually we built games, which was a lot of fun. When I say me, it's me and my co-founder who's been with me along the way, who happens to be my brother. So that makes it easy. And, we, and he's a big gamer, uh, game developer, I should say, also a gamer. And so at some point you made games and then the iPhone came out and we said, can we make a game for the iPhone and still be able to pay the bills? And mm -hmm. his idea was, yeah, of course we can make a game. You figure out if we can pay the bills. And I said, I don't know. You know, it was uh, late 2008, beginning of 2009. And that's how the idea of AppFigures was born. We needed some sort of a platform to track our own data. And that's what it was in the first few, first few weeks, first few months, I would say. And eventually word spread and some of my friends said, oh, you have that. We don't want to deal with iTunes Connect. Can, we, can you give us access? I was like, no, that's not really our main business. We make games. And I eventually I broke down and made it available and yada, yada, yada. 12 years later, we don't make games anymore. Terrific. I think I've just heard the story of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. <laughs> One of the guys <laughs> is doing a hardware part. The other guy was doing marketing part. And I've been following you guys for years uh, and always was so... Wondering, uh, would it be great to interview one of the founders one day if I'm <laughs> going to be them my own podcast? And here we go. After 15 years of listening to podcasts myself, I'm doing my own podcast right now. And I can talk to you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I recently yeah, started a podcast too, so I know I know what that feels like. 
starting something and, and getting to do the things you always heard about or saw. So it's great. Exactly. Uh, so, um, you know, both Apple's App Store and Google Play are huge oceans of apps. Uh, and they both have been going through an evolution as an app ecosystem. Uh, ecosystem is one of the words that were kind of transitioned from, you know, the world of ecology, science to <laughs> e-commerce. But I'm using this word just like everybody else. So looking at them now, what app categories and apps do you see the most popular? So let's compare before COVID, BC before COVID, and now. Uh, I've never heard the... that before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use this now. Yeah, BC. So I'm, I'm like, well, um, probably even, uh, can you see kind of a return? Uh, is it reversing back to, to what it was before COVID because we're kind of a you know, see the light in the end of the tunnel right now? So yes and no and maybe. Um, this has been one of the biggest questions that I've been fielding for the last a little bit more than a year. So back in, and luckily we have a tool just to answer that. So back in January of last year, we released what we call the mobile download index, which looks at all the different categories that exist on the App Store and Google Play by country and indexes their growth over time. And we go back mm -hmm. to, I believe, uh, 2017 or 2018. And so I've been looking at that a lot in January, just before COVID happened, BC, and writing a lot about that because it was very new for us. And then COVID happened, and for us, it was such an easy way to answer the question of what is getting big right now, because we could just look at the chart. But a lot of people didn't have access to that because that's one of those intelligence tools that are usually very difficult to come by or expensive or require annual commitments or all those things that a lot of developers just don't want to do. Even if they can, they don't want, want to do. So uh, I, I kind of got tired of answering questions one by one. So we just opened up our mobile download index to all developers and made it easy. But going back, and it's still open and available mm -hmm. for free to anyone who makes apps or games. Um, but going back to your original question. So before COVID, you had pretty much the same things. Entertainment was pretty big, not as big as it is now, but pretty big. You had, um, you had business, which wasn't big at all and kind of skyrocketed through through the pandemic and is now still big not as big obviously and zoom has gone up quite mm -hmm. drastically and 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 came down but it's still pretty high and so you have most of these categories that were what most consumers used which include games and entertainment for the most part uh still being before and after with a few exceptions so health and fitness rose really sharply during the during the pandemic especially early on when people realized they're not going to walk outside they're not going to commute to work they're not going to ride their bike uh, they're not going to go to the gym they're not going to do all these things that we know would need to happen exercise is one of those things that maybe you don't want to do but you know you have to uh, so yeah, a bunch exactly. of companies got really successful over the beginning of the pandemic and the category as a whole became extremely dominant. And what we see with health and fitness, just as it was about to decline towards the end of the year, because, you know, people got all their health and fitness apps and not enough change for that to continue, then New Year's happened. And with New Year's resolution, you see, usually see health and fitness go up again. So health and fitness has been really, really healthy and really competitive over the last year. I've seen that in ASO and I've seen that in general with ads and everything else. And even heard from developers who are making health and fitness apps, the successful ones and also the less successful ones who are struggling to compete because it's such a crazy market. So that's, that's one of the highlights I want to say. Business and health and fitness were the biggest. But now we're seeing something, another trend uh, that I'm actually writing about at the moment, and that's travel. 
So the travel category, the, the Airbnbs and the Google Maps and the and the Waze's, mm-hmm. they all took a huge, huge, huge hit when the pandemic started for obvious reasons. And so we saw this amazingly deep valley that just happened. And they were slowly clawing out of it. I think that happened for a few months in the beginning where no one knew what to do, especially here in the U.S., it, it's shifted a little bit, depends on the country. And then as we're clawing out of it right now, you can see it growing and growing and growing. And I believe last year it posted a, an increase of 38 points on uh, on our index, which is just huge for the category. Um, and that was on the App Store, I think a little bit more just in the same area on Google Play. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of growth now in travel apps. And you can see Google Maps is uh, in the top 10 almost always. And I suspect we'll see more of this. You can see downloads for Uber hitting all new highs, downloads for Lyft hitting all new highs. Um, So we'll see more of this. People are leaving their houses and apartments and trying to do stuff outside. My next question kind of uh, dovetails to what we were just discussing, uh, which is most like probably all the apps you've mentioned, they're kind of a channels. uh, Well, there are channels for the business, you know, the offline business that is Backing up them in the background, and the if you think about apps, they're kind of a you know a few years ago you can um, open up an app store or just you know some publication and read about the app that all of a sudden becoming a just a phenomenon on its own, and it was just an app. It was not an extension to a business. What about now? Can you see any apps that are kind of standalone and are successful? And they're not presenting, you know, uh, e-commerce, um, travel, etc. Or they're just gone. So uh, that's that's a great question because I wouldn't say they're gone completely. I think the equation changed a little bit in a sense that it's easier to have a service that has an app, even if the service is mostly reliant on an app. So take for example something like Tinder. Mm-hmm. I don't think people consume Tinder outside of the app for the most part. So it's technically an app. But it's a lot more than that because the brand around Tinder will extend to whichever device a user can find it on. It's just Tinder would have to build that integration and boom, it would happen. So I think that's we're seeing some of that too. Um, so if you look at the top apps, for example, you'll see a bunch of games that are making money and the social media giants that are getting all the downloads. But even between them, you'll see all these different services that kind of exist to to serve a purpose through the app that they would not get through any other medium. But even even with this, there's one category that makes this uh, very interesting, and that's and that's video streaming. So you have companies like HBO Max and Disney Plus, and for the most part, they're channels, they're TV channels that you can get through cable. But recently, they've been incredibly successful through through apps, and uh, to me, that's mind-boggling that someone would want to watch a movie on this little device. And yet that's actually happening. So I find that to be very interesting and exciting. So it's not exactly a standalone app, but I think it's a shift from something that is TV-based to something that is app-based. And you can you can airshare it to your TV, and that's probably why this is so successful. But this is still something that sits in your pocket. So all the in-app purchases are going through Apple and Google. And, um, and the ecosystem, as we were talking about before, mainly now revolves around the mobile part of this. So I see most companies that are successful now are not just app-only companies. You have some of those, but not a lot. Um, But they are predominantly app companies, meaning that their majority of access, the majority of engagement is slowly shifting towards an app if they existed or is now in the app sphere uh, ecosystem, if that makes any sense. 
And then you still see apps that are app first, uh, but that's a lot mm -hmm. less common. And you see that mainly with kind of games that toe the line. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Uh, well, my assumption when we all stuck at home a year ago was that people will shift them to watching movies, you know, back on their TVs, or presuming that they still have a TV in their home. <laughs> but it turns out that it's not the case. People continue to watch stuff on their iPads and iPhones. And even people may not remember, but originally years ago, Apple didn't believe that people would be watching movies on a small iPhone or screen. But this is kind of a history. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable that somebody can be still believe in that concept. People yeah. just watching stuff easily. Like I'm I'm downloading YouTube stuff uh, using premium account all the time for premium you know, accounts when the, you know the uh, internet connection is kind of shaky, but I still want to see that you know short glimpse five six minutes of content uh, that i love anywhere i want yeah absolutely okay. and that's why youtube is the top grossing app in the u.s and has been for the last who even knows how long at this point right you've kind of lost the count of years how many years it's been on the top but the TikTok is lurking. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok is, and TikTok is climbing up the top grossing chart. And it has for a long time. I think we'll see a lot more from TikTok. If you look at the top charts for the downloads last week, you had mm -hmm. TikTok in, I think, top five somewhere, maybe number three, and then, or number two. And number one was their video editor, CapCut. Mm. So TikTok is definitely taking over all over not just the one market. I was actually writing about in my newsletter. I have a weekly newsletter with news similar to what you do every day, I believe. And mm -hmm. I only look at five things every week. So just more of an analysis. Um, and I did an analysis of CapCut and that market. And you, you have this issue where now TikTok is so big with what it does. It needs more content. It needs more better content. And so for it to put out a, a video editor, it just makes sense. And for it to be free makes sense. But then mm -hmm. you think about the industry, it's, it's a hundred million dollar a year industry just in the U.S. alone for video editors and TikTok can easily just erase all that. That's, that's insane. It is insane. Can you think of apps that, so to speak, don't got a fashion for years despite seasonal changes and breakthrough newcomers? So... We may be kind of given an idea to have developers. So what are kind of uh, evergreen hits that just you're not creating an app that will be like the potential for the, for app in terms of time will be not months, but years. So a lot of that has to do with the idea of want versus need, the way I see it. So there are apps you want. You want to play a game. You want to play the hottest game for right now, or you want to have something that puts widgets on your screen, uh, but you don't really need it, right? You, you don't need this particular game. You may need games to pass the time, but you don't need this game. And you may need, or you may want a widget app, but you don't really like need, need something that's super custom with all these colors and all these different things, because ultimately the operating system is probably going to make that possible. Or some app is going to make a widget and everything will be easy. So that's, that's where I see the line kind of being broken. If you're a developer and you want to build something that will last, I don't know about forever, but as close to forever as possible, then you want to, you want to go after the needs. And the kind of needs that we're seeing, they all have to do with more utilities and more um, things that give you access to uh, entertainment, to things like that. And so if you look at the top apps and you dip below social media where brands are really just dominating, um, you'll get to see all of those. And those are apps that give you something that you need in your daily life.
In a strange way, the only opposite to this is really, really, really mega brands. So whether it's games that are paid, games that are free, um, or social media like Facebook and Instagram, they're all about the brand, right? So for them, you, mm -hmm. you don't need to post your pictures on Instagram. You don't need to see what other people are doing. And I know some people are going to be like, no, I need it. Uh, but you don't really need it. And yet, because the brand is so big, they made you think you need it. So either you do that, which is extremely hard, or you go after the actual needs that people have day to day. Gotcha. Question to you as to someone who has a bird view on the app ecosystem. With so many apps on the stores and limited time we have to pay attention to any specific app, how do I know how many users, more at least the ballpark, for my app are out there? This is the question I was asking myself when I was working at a marketing agency years ago. Is there a way to assess the number of users for an app, at least the ballpark, so to see like what is my market? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a question not enough developers ask before they embark on a mission to build the, the most beautiful app or the best game or to get their crazy idea into the App Store or Google Play. And you always have to think like that. You have to think, how big is the market? And also, how much are they willing to pay? So you can have a billion users, potential users, but they have no intention of paying a dollar. And I mean, that's one thing. And you might want to find some other way to monetize them, but then you have this new challenge. Or you might have a market of, let's say, 10,000 people who are willing to pay $100 a year, more like the professional market. And so for you to know that means the difference between success and failure. Easy. So the, the easiest way and really the only way that I can think of is by looking at other apps that are doing things that are similar, either direct competitors or indirect competitors. And it depends on the market you go into. So, for example, I was talking to someone who uh, a long time ago made an app that tracks your caffeine intake. And mm -hmm. it's for people who, I guess, drink too much coffee and they didn't want to be in a position where they get to the end of the day and they've consumed so much coffee, it's unhealthy. So they want so many to of track us. it. <laughs> I didn't want to point fingers, you know, but mm -hmm. this person had a problem where there wasn't really a market for caffeine trackers when he first started. Now, I think there are a few apps that do this. They saw what he did. Um, so he looked at, an, uh, at all the other apps that do water tracking and water consumpti consumption tracking. And that gave him an idea of how many people can do it, what sort of a subscription he can charge. Can he actually charge a subscription? So um, my biggest uh, my biggest really like note here is always look at competitors. Look at competitors and apps that are similar. I actually wrote a guide about how to do that and what to look out for and uh, all the little kind of uh, little bits that would be gotchas in case you do that. I think the real, the real challenge and problem was it wasn't really easy to do that. So you have other companies that provide this sort of data. They're either too expensive, require many multi-year contracts. And for some companies that works, some companies have the budget to do that. Uh, but so, for some developers and from what I see, and I speak to so many developers um, every day, it's really hard to justify that, even the thought of going down that route, of signing up for a service for a year to give them this one thing they just need for a month. Uh, and so our service, we decided we're not going to do any sort of annual requirements and we're going to make it very easy to get started. Our pricing is pretty affordable. Um, and that, I think, is changing how some developers are now thinking about this based on the conversations that I had over the last few months. And I like to talk to our members all the time. It takes forever, but I love to do it. Sometimes I'll just respond to support tickets and people would have no idea that it's actually me behind the, behind the email 
Um, but that's the, the best way to know what are kind of the biggest challenges when people think about how to advance their downloads and how to get their business to be bigger because every app is a business. And, and it's, it's really the mindset. It's like they're conditioned to think, no, 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 this is not accessible. This is not attainable. Like it, it exists. I can do it, but it's not for me. And so changing that is so difficult and making sure that everyone knows, no, 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 it's accessible. And, and that's really what we set out to do 12 years ago. We set out to make data and the interpretation of data really as accessible as possible and as available as possible to everyone, not just the teams that have data scientists that know exactly, you know, all the Excel, all the Excel functions to, to use to make sense out of data quick. We wanted to do that for mere mortals who are just, they just want to build an app, you know, they just want to build a game, they have an idea, or even teams, they just want to make sure that they get more downloads. The how is always a little bit more challenging. So we want to simplify that. Exactly. You you, you just can't expect a whole you know, set of expertise from a single person. He cannot be a professional on multiple frontiers. He can be a really good developer. In some cases, he can, you know, uh, you know, be both a great marketer and great developer, but this is not you're expecting you know, on a massive scale. People are kind of a good at something, uh, one uh, area. And um, this is the great place for you guys to come in and help them out. Exactly. Uh, okay, there is a elephant, gorilla, or other big <laughs> animal in the room, I don't know, dinosaur in the room. Apple's app tracking transparency is here. There are a lot of speculation, hopes, there's Facebook ads to blame Apple for letting down small businesses, a remarkable PR stunt on its own. <laughs> it was finally introduced in Apple 26. How does it change the equation for doing app store optimization now? Oh, wow. Um, so I've been writing about this extensively over the last month or so. And I think you, you have this. So it's, it's really like it's, a, it's an elephant. It's a gorilla. It's probably a gorilla sitting on top of an elephant, riding okay. on top of a dinosaur and like holding on to a giraffe because you have this uh, kind of punch in the face to a lot of these services that were up until now would just rely on this sort of information. And you can see that now most iPhones by default have this turned off uh, to get the prompt whether to allow tracking or not allow tracking and they disallowed by default. But if you're curious, turn that off and see and see what how many apps ask you to be tracked. And it's probably almost every app. Every app that I use on my Apple TV does that. Um, a lot of apps that I use on my phone do that. And I turned it off because I'm curious. And so I depends on how, how well the app wants to track me, how well they present their, their argument for why they should track me. That's how I decide whether I allow them to or not, because ultimately I think that's really the case. So the, the reason this is such a big deal, especially for ASO, is because it's taking away marketers' ability or advertisers' ability to target users on the iPhone. And what you get from that is you either get marketers that are advertising to kind of everyone and spending a ton of money with no, no real focus, which is what would end up happening. And, and mm -hmm. that's for now. I think that will change in the future. Um, or you have marketers who are just going to pull their ads, their ad spend from things like Facebook and, and Google on their phone phones and shift it somewhere else where they have still a little bit more targeting something like Apple search ads. And I think that's why Apple introdu is introducing more of these formats. Um, they recently introduced the format of searching in the search area, but without any real, it's more of a guess than anything else. And it uses Apple's, Apple's own intelligence. And the interesting bit of, in that too is that Apple does have knowledge that now that it doesn't have to ask users for, whereas Facebook mm -hmm. doesn't. 
So what I see is going to happen, I think search ads are going to become more expensive. So people who are now spending just a little bit on search ads and getting great results are going to have to go organic because there's just no other way. Either you spend more money on Facebook ads and you do less targeting, but just more impressions and eventually that will hopefully net out. Or you start going the route of, let me figure out this organic thing called app store optimization. So in the long run, I can actually have something where I don't have to pay more and more and more and more per click, which is what's gonna happen with search ads now that everyone is kind of forced to use them. And then what's gonna happen is those apps that were pretty successful with a little bit of ASO touch, that kind of set it and forget it or do it once every six months, they're gonna have to be a little bit more competitive. So everyone is moving towards, they have to do ASO the right way, or they have to do it to begin with in order to even be visible on the store, which will become kind of a need, not a want anymore. So that's what I foresee. Oh yeah, that's a very, very interesting picture you just drawn. Okay. we've. We've covered a lot of ground, but I still have a few quick questions for you. These are the questions I'm asking every guest to help the audience to know a little, a little bit better my guest. And here they are. So what smartphone do you use right now? I'm an iPhone. I've been an iPhone since the first, first, first iPhone. I've touched Androids and I use Androids for, for testing and for ASO a lot. Uh, but my allegiance lies with iPhone. All right. Uh, what was your first mobile phone, you know, pre-iPhone, uh, Android era? So I got my first mobile phone in fifth grade when I was very little. My dad is a huge uh, tech lover of things, and he always wanted us to have as much tech as possible. And so that's me now. And he got me a phone when I was, uh, when I was in fifth grade. It, it was one of those phones. I forgot what it was called, but it was one of those phones that can only call out to one number, but any number can mm. call it. And it was big and it was bulky, but... I really liked it. So I've been playing with awesome. phones for forever. Awesome. I wonder if you could still find the device somewhere. Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> not be, uh, being sold for a chunk of money. Um, okay. Imagine right now you've left your home uh, and you left your smartphone you know, sitting somewhere on the table. What would be the most missing feature for you? Well, that depends. If I have my Apple Watch, then nothing. <laughs> uh, but let's say I didn't. <laughs> Uh, mostly email. I do because all my communication these days That's is email, a nice Slack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for the most part, just communicating with people. <laughs> Got it. That's terrific. What new app technologies are you most excited about? Uh, something that is missing in your device. And I'm asking this question, not uh, you know, necessarily expecting an answer. I want more and more. Probably you want, to, you want less. You want to kind of balance your interaction with the device better. You know, decrease your dependency. So what kind of stuff you're missing or not missing in your device right now? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think it's hard to tell. Like I, I walk around these days and I see kids, very young kids, just like glued to their phones and I find it mind boggling. And I know yeah. I was like this maybe six years ago when it was all hot and all new and all sexy, but these kids are kind of born into it. So they're not going to see it as me going through a phase. For them, it's going to be how everything is done. Uh, so I don't really know what kind of technologies would help that or, or hurt that. I know Apple really wants to push for AR, augmented reality now, and I kind of feel like that's going to make it even worse. Uh, but I like the idea of having, of having my watch actually on me because it gives me mostly what I want. I can get my music if I'm, I'm working out. I can get my notifications if someone wants to talk to me. I've even picked up a call or two on my phone without headphones, and it was pretty decent outside. 
Um, and hopefully that will move, will kind of, it, in a way, it's, it's the renaissance of the phone as a watch because that's what the phone used to be back in the day before smartphones. What does that mean for the phone? I'm not entirely sure. I, I think there are a lot of uh, ways to think about how do you restrict phone access so people don't get this dependency or this, uh, this addiction, but I don't think that's how it actually is going to work. Yeah, discipline, uh, you can't force discipline, right? So um, yeah. I don't know, to answer the question, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the watch is a, is a big step towards disconnecting from, from the phone. Gotcha. Your watch is the way to go. And before I let you go, just a very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Oh, easy. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My full, my full name is my, my Twitter, Ariel McKaylee, which is Michael with an I at the end. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I find myself talking to people on LinkedIn a lot more than I expected these days. I just have very long chats with people. Um, or you can always email me. My email is ariel.m at appfigures.com. Terrific. Thanks a lot for coming and being on our podcast, Ariel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This, bye -bye. Was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. And that was Ariel McKelly, CEO at App Figures. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.